Hey, this is Bez Stone. And this is Freya Dietrich. And welcome to the Infinite Relating Podcast. Hello, everybody. Hey. Welcome. Glad you're here. And we're back. We're glad to be here. With a new important topic. It is a new and important topic. Yeah. Or, or, or is it new at all? Ooh. <laughs> it's new and improved. <laughs> transforming. Yeah. The topic today was inspired by, by many things, really. Um, for me, it was inspired by feedback from a couple of friends, um, some people who wrote in after listening to the podcast who were in monogamous relationships. Yes. Or had friends or clients who were in monogamous relationships and were asking, does this, does this apply to me? Right. Does infinite relating apply to my monogamous relationship? Or, and it also was inspired by us. Right. You know, going through various cycles of sexual exclusivity or not in our partnerships. Yeah. Um, and wondering, you know, if I'm monogamous, am I still doing an infinite relationship? Yeah. Yeah. I've been watching my container evolve and yeah and it's like is this monogamous and and if it is does that matter and how does that apply and how Mm -hmm. it's still it's still an infinite relationship wherever it is on that spectrum yeah 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 so we wanted to talk about infinite monogamy infinite monogamy which is fun because because we're pretty into infinite everything right now (laughs) (laughs) today is infinite thursday it's infinite thursday (laughs) we talked we had an infinite business meeting this morning about infinite relating (laughs) We did some infinite parenting. Always. school started today for for some of our kids. Yeah. 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 But infinite monogamy. Mm -hmm. What has been coming up with you guys? I know we were talking about this a little bit this morning. Um, As far as what you're seeing, like the challenges we're seeing in monogamy that can be addressed with with infinite relating. Totally. Yeah. So I, you know, I think this, it's really important for me to, to talk about this because in my estimation, my observation of my own experiences and those of other people is that um, monogamy is such a tiny, it's such a small slice of, of, wh- of what a relationship is. Right. Um, that I, I kind of am here at the beginning of this podcast, at least to kind of debunk any, any, any notion that like monogamous relating is so different, you know, than any other style of relationship. Um, right. And that really... The way that I see it is that, you know, sexuality, sensuality is really the only slice of a relationship that's even impacted by monogamy. Um, that, you know, we could argue and we might at some point <laughs> <laughs> about, you know, ways that monogamy ripples out into a relationship um, in other ways. But really, you know, to me at the heart of like what, what, what most people mean when they say I'm in a monogamous relationship is I'm sexually exclusive with my partner. Right. They might also be sensually exclusive with their partner or not. And, yeah. You know, I'd love to get into that some of that more. But that's really what that means. You know, purely the term monogamous. Um, and then there's other sort of definitions that we could get into. Like, well, we're married or we're not married. Or we live together or we don't live together. You know, there's lots of other yeah. designations that sometimes get lumped in with monogamy. And I think there's a lot of cultural norms and expectations yes. that get lumped in. So I think that's it. Like, Which is a problem. That is a huge problem because... Yeah. They're different for everybody and likely not discussed because right. we're monogamous and we don't have to discuss it. Right. Right. And really, honestly, infinite relating for me 
you know, I've been in vastly more monogamous relationships than than non-monogamous ones in my life. And infinite relating was born out of kind of, you know, the, my dissatisfaction with the with the monogamous norms that we're all sort of raised up to believe that we talk about so often on this podcast. So my supposition is that monogamous couples need infinite relating just as much, if not more than poly couples, because there is a certain, there's a certain level and, you know, polyamory can be done so poorly and I don't want to talk about it too much, but can be done so poorly. It can be done ethically. It can be done non-ethically. You know, there's, there's a whole other podcast episode on that. But there is a way that polyamory, um, kind of like queer sex, you know, when I talk to my queer friends, they're like, I love having queer sex because you have, you, you're forced to talk more yeah. about like, what do you want today? Like, what toys do you want to use? You know, who wants to play what role? Like, you know, there isn't this kind of drive towards like penis and vagina sex that happens in heterosexual couples where, you know, there's a tract that's so familiar, that's so prescribed that, you know, is the easy thing to default to if you're a hetero couple having sex, that right. when you're a queer couple having sex, there's just, there's a lot more points where you, you can't default to the norm. But yeah, there's not that assumption of the same experience. We right. both know, hey, we're coming here, we're creating something, we have to have these discussions. Right. And same with, yeah, like polyamory. It's, polyamory is done so differently with so, by, so, by everyone. So you're having these conversations up front as a default. With monogamy... Right, because that's the cultural norm. We all kind of have the training. You're maybe not even having these conversations. You're not ever. forced to have them. Yeah, yeah and exactly. definitely not as early as you are with right. these other situations. Right. Yeah, and so that's why I feel like the infinite relating it, it absolutely applies to monogamous couples um, in a really beautiful way. That yeah, I'll yeah, to invite these conversations, invite this exploration of what type of relationship do we want this to be? What do we want it to look like? In all these realms, like you said, that really might not have anything to do with sexual or sensual mm-hmm. connection with others or romantic, emotional. Like, there's so many realms of being an evolving, growing person. Yeah. And then when you do that in partnership, like how, how do we want to flow in and out of connection with each other, with life, with, with our projects, with we're learning, with work, all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what I see as the biggest trap for me when I've been in monogamous relationships and when I see couples who, who are my friends who are in monogamous relationships, um, committed partnerships is, you know, I think that to me, like there's two things that stick out immediately. Um, one is trying to control each other, you yes. know, and thinking that now, now that we're committed, now that we're monogamous, now that you're my only source of sexual satisfaction besides myself, now that, um, you know, we're married or we live together, there's these sort of external structures in place. Like, you owe me something. Yes. <laughs> you, know? you owe me, I mean, a wide variety of, of things. We could brainstorm that one for a while <laughs> of everything that we think we owe each other. Um, you know, we're fused. So my sense of self is really diminished in that situation. Um and the relationship shouldn't change. You know, like, we've, right. we've, we've done the deed. We've gotten married. We've had the kids. We bought the house. We have the bank accounts. We, we're monogamous. Congratulations, you know? you've won. Totally. We, we've won. And we've talked about that on this podcast. Like, <laughs> when I was, got married in my 20s, I literally was like, I did it. I did the hard you part. the thing. Like, giving birth. It's like, uh, you give birth to the kid. And then like, you're okay, like, okay, yeah. Right, we're done. <laughs> we're done. It was easy now. Yeah. And we're just happily ever after it all the way exactly. to the end. Yeah. And then we realize that everything that we've obtained is based on what it looks like from the outside and it feels 
shitty or -hmm. constrained or scary or like all these things inside. And we have no idea because you don't even want to communicate that. I don't, you like when I have everything, when I think of what I was in my marriage with my house and my kids, how could, how do I dare complain? I have it all. I have Mm -hmm. all the things I was told I was supposed to have in this beautiful monogamous marriage. And I, I feel like I'm living a lie. I feel trapped. I feel, I don't even, and I don't even know how to have these conversations. I couldn't dare say. Yeah. I have everything and I'm lonely and miserable. Yeah. And I'm not happy. And I'm not happy. Yep. And, and you can still, I did, I did, well, I have, I come from an abusive relationship to an addict, so it's not a great example for that, but I think you can be in that situation. I don't think it's uncommon to be in that situation in a long-term monogamous relationship or even polyamorous, any relationship where we stop talking. You can be there and you can still have great love for that person and it doesn't mean you have to speak up and then it's over. It means you have this opportunity to speak up and say, I'm feeling I need something different. I'm feeling I need to answer my heart. I need to respond to this. And it's that whole, I think that's the piece with infinite relating is, we're designing the relationships from the inside out based on what we feel mm-hmm. instead of all these markers of, of what, what they're supposed to look like. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really um, important for, for like the distinction between like shared values and rules, mm-hmm. um, having aspects of your relationship that are important and dear and potentially, you know, boundaries um, and monogamy can certainly be one of those where, you know, in in some, like in our relationships currently, our partnerships, like we both have what I judge to be a very evolving sexual landscape where it's like, <laughs> you know, I mostly only have sex with Max, but sometimes I make out with other people. And if I met someone I really liked, I'd totally... I'd totally pursue that and see where that infinite relationship wanted to go and same with him. Right. And that's very much on the table. And for, but for us, that's a shared, that door being open is a shared value. Like that possibility of, um, getting to explore sexual, other sexual or romantic connections if they arise is something that is really important to both of us, right. you know? Um, and I know for you, we've been talking about like, you know, acting, acting in monogamous ways, you know, currently doesn't yeah. necessarily for all couples doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be monogamous forever. Right. You know, that is yeah. just sort of what's happening right now. Yeah. I'm in the, an identity crisis as a polyamorous person <laughs> in a monogamous looking relationship mm-hmm. and just, yeah, acknowledging coming back to the infinite relating portion of it, of it, again, it doesn't matter what it looks like from the outside. It just right now uh, we are choosing sexual exclusivity and that feels really good. And it feels like it's honoring. And I think that if you're in a monogamous relationship, you have that shared value of we're choosing together. We're ch- both choosing. We want exclusivity and that might be sexual, sensual, romantic, emotional, you know, whatever realms. Mm-hmm. And, and that's like, a, that's where the conversation starts. Yeah. As opposed to that's where like the the cage or the container ends. Right. It's like, this is the starting point. And then, so the, we value these. And then outside of those, what, what else do we want to explore or meet? And, and I, I think the big thing that's coming up in my system right now is this permission to be selfish. Mm. I feel, yeah, I, I feel in, I mean, I, as a mom, as a, as a human, I feel like I've always trying to avoid being selfish or being perceived as a selfish person. Mm. And in a relationship, I, I noticed that tendency too, but, 
really the best thing I can do for myself and everybody I love and everybody who loves me is, is be essentially authentically selfish Mm. because if I'm doing anything and that's choosing to love you, choosing to be in this partnership, choosing to commit to you and to the us in any, whichever way we describe to do it, if I'm doing that for my selfish desire, like there's no other drive that's going to keep me more committed to that. And you're going to feel, you're going to feel my hunger. You're going to feel my desire. You're going to feel mm-hmm. that I want to be here. All of that is coming from, from an internal source as opposed to what I'm supposed to do. Cause what you're supposed to do that, that fuel runs out. Yeah. You know, you get resentful, you get misery, you leave. Like there's so many things that ways that that can go wrong. But if I'm coming back to, I am choosing to be here from a selfish desire. Like that's, that's where we meet each other, yeah. you know, and I want, that's what I want to continue. And I think it just has, it has a really bad reputation acting in selfish ways, but mm. I think I really trust that we are loving beings. I really trust myself and I trust my partner that when they are acting from their, their own self-interest, they're doing it in a way that has care for themselves and care for me. It's not, it doesn't, selfish doesn't mean reckless. And I think that's the idea that we've been given. And so part of that is maintaining my sovereignty, maintaining things that I'm passionate about, maintaining Mm. my own, my own personhood. Again, so even in this monogamous relationship, there are two individual beings that are committed to the us. And I think this, we've, we've talked about this common thread of polyamory, but it's just, it's essential in all relationships, business partnerships, parenting. When I am selfish with my children, I am a better mom. Yeah. When I am sacrificing myself and overextending, then there's expectations. I get resentful. I, I, they're supposed to be grateful. But if I'm, whatever I'm doing, if I'm, you know, cooking for them, if I'm like signing them up for all these sports and running all over town, if I'm doing that from my essential desire, it feels so good to do it. It feels so good to be there with it. And they feel that. Mm. But if I'm doing it because of some outside idea of what my role is as a mother or what my role is as a wife, it feels crummy on both sides. Yeah. Oh, it really does. It really does. Yeah. And and we're going to get out of alignment with this. We we are because we're we're taught we're such we're our cultural conditioning is to be such people pleasers. That's a really common uh, safety strategy is to be a people make sure I make I'll go into a room make sure everybody else feels really comfortable and then I can relax. But Yeah. So it's we're going to get out of alignment. We're going to step out of that. We're going to go into um, obligation. We're going to go into people pleasing. But if we can kind of keep checking back in, like this is an important value that I am, I'm committed to myself first, and then that allows me to be a, like connected to my truth and a full, authentic, growing person. And then I get to meet you there, and you get mm-hmm. to meet me there, and we get to keep checking in and this like, and growing together. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's absolutely, like, one of the big pitfalls for me of, um, I mean, yeah, we're calling it monogamy, and I, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate that we're talking about it openly, and I think um, what we're really talking about more is this, like, monogamous, normative relationship pattern (laughs) that is the thing that doesn't work you know, for, for the vast, for, for many people. It's like a syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> the way you state it, yeah. Totally. Of yeah. like all of the things that, that we have expectations about. Um, and I think it's absolutely right that what you're saying, like it's so much easier to, to slack, you know, in a monogamous partnership because that primal fear about my partner being sexual with someone else, being attracted to someone else, sharing resources with someone else, mm-hmm. you know, those, those primal fears are, in theory, you know, um, quelled because I have an agreement with them, 
know, we have a shared understanding that we're going to be monogamous. And I think that, you know, it's, it's for some reason, like with, with that kind of set in place, I just see it over and over again. And I've done it over and over again, where then, um, everything else just kind of like, it's so easy to go on autopilot, you know, it's so easy to, in that structure to then start seat, start going into autopilot about the way I treat my partner, um, the way I see myself, the way I see my beloved. And instead of really remembering that they are like a gift to me for the, for whatever amount of time I happen to have with them. Um, even if that's, even if my aim is and hope is that that's forever, which would be great. Uh, but we, as we know, people die, people change. Like, you know, there's, there's so much unknown. Right. Um, but instead of seeing them as this beautiful gift, who is this person who is choosing to be in my life, which right. I think, you know, just like you're saying, that can be easily forgotten in this monogamous normative construct where it's like, well, we made a commitment, so you owe me, you know? Yeah. Like, now you owe me. Like, we, we made a commitment, and so we are now somehow beholden to each other, um, by forces that aren't our desire. Right. And I think that that can be really dangerous. Um, I love, I love like committing and I love being um, deeply, you know, I'm a very loyal person. I like, you know, I like that feeling (laughs) of being like, yeah, I'm here, you know, but I think it's so easy. Yeah. And that construct to just forget that, you know, ultimately it doesn't matter if you're married, this, you know, my, my take on it. It doesn't matter if you're married. It doesn't matter if you have kids. It doesn't matter if you live together. It doesn't, none, none of the constructs matter. Your partner still doesn't owe you anything. <laughs> you know, like, right. they don't owe you their love. They don't owe you their attention. They don't owe you sex. They don't owe you, like, they don't owe you to stay in the marriage. And, and I think that, you know, as terrifying as that is to, to really face, Right. When we don't do that, everything, you know, that we're talking about starts happening, like the resentment, like you're saying, and the, you know, the obligation and the autopilot. And, you know, I used to teach about sexuality um, before I got really hot on infinite relating. I was really hot on sex because <laughs> I needed to learn that because I realized I had no idea how to have sex as like an actual <laughs> empowered woman, as a woman enjoying herself. And so I just like studied sexuality for years. Just like I was like, I don't know how to have a relationship. So now we're studying that. That's some good research. Some good research. I need to have all the sex <laughs> so I can study it. <laughs> oh my God. Sometimes it was fun. Sometimes it really wasn't. But I think most people can universally relate with like one of the worst sexual experiences you can have with someone you know and care about and are in a relationship with is like what we would call like the sad hand job. Oh, <laughs> you know? like, like somebody giving, making finger quotes over here, like giving me pleasure for me, when they're not, their heart is actually because not into it. Because they're supposed to. Yeah, because they're supposed their to. their job is the wife or yep. the partner. Or it's the, the expectation. Ugh. It's, um, yeah, it's it's the agreement. You know, we're in this pact where, you know, my sexual pleasure comes from you and yours comes from me. And that's, we're the only people we can give it to each other. And so therefore, you know, that it's so easy to slip into that, like, ownership, obligation, which leads to resentment, which leads to lack of appreciation, which leads yeah. to, yeah, like, lack of having resonant experiences that are really satisfying because instead we're in these roles of right yeah and anyone who's ever received sexual attention from a half-hearted person knows like it's horrible you know that's such a horrible feeling and yet I think in the stereotypical you know American mononormative syndrome (laughs) relationships like 
we end up doing that everywhere. Well, and that's when you, when you were saying that, I was like, that felt really sad to me. It's like, you owe me, you owe me sex, you owe me love, you owe me time, you owe me partnership, you owe, like, any of those, like, if we're doing it based on the fact that I made, like, my past version of myself made this commitment, mm-hmm. like, that isn't a relationship I want to be in at all. Like, it just doesn't feel good. But I, I get, it comes from a very authentic place of like commitment to each other and love and loyalty. It comes from a beautiful energy. It yeah. starts in a beautiful energy and out of these patterns, it, it kind of devolves into this like really resentful or obligatory mm-hmm. sad place. And, and so my desire is to like find our way back to remember that gift. Yeah. And, and the, I think the, again, like the key is like, is acknowledging it, you know, like, paying attention in a way that mononormativity hadn't taught us speaking to it and, and just like being okay with being okay with our feelings as they arise. Like I'm feeling this because something's a little off and it's different than it was before when we were super excited about each other. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you're wrong. It doesn't mean that I'm wrong. It doesn't mean the relationship is over. Yeah. It just means there's, there's, there's things coming up that deserve our love and attention just as much as, you know, our past relationship did. Yeah. Yeah, and that it's, like, time for a refresh. You know, like, maybe... Yeah. I, I feel like that's that's something that, as, as we talk about this, I'm really interested in is how does an infinite relationship play out in a monogamous... You know, in a... It's not... I don't even care. The monogamous part, I don't even really care about. But let's just say, like, in a lifelong committed relationship. Right, right. You know, where people are... Um, wanting to wanting to be a couple for as long as possible, you know, <laughs> where that's actually something that like they've maybe committed to in, in their marriage vows and to their God or whatever. Um, and I, I guess I'm, to me, every couple I know that's in that situation has talked about at times like wanting to keep it fresh, like wanting to spice things up, wanting to have that feeling again of being in love and in adoration of their partner. Um, of not wanting to fall into like the roommate trap where, right. you know, we've been together for six years, 10 years, 16 years, 26 years, whatever. And, you know, the spark is gone. You know, all these things that I feel like we, we talk about um, mm-hmm. and that are very culturally known. And I think the remedy um, is infinite relating, but the principles of infinite relating require a certain amount of letting go that I think can seem like diametrically opposed to monogamy or opposed to committed partnership or opposed to marriage. Right. But in my heart, in my view, like they absolutely aren't, you know, that those, those things, like I was saying, like if I want to get married, I better be in an infinite, like I better remember the principles of infinite relating. Otherwise it's going to get really bad for me really quickly. Right. Because the minute I, it doesn't matter like what container I've chosen, what my goal is for the relationship, you know, whether we're sexually exclusive or not, like, the same principles always apply. Like, if I lose my autonomy, if I start acting out of obligation and expectation yeah. and feeling like I owe something to my partner or they owe something to me, you know, if I start going down, going into those familiar habits and patterns, then the relationship isn't going to be satisfying. Right. And that's just, like, the end of the story. Right. Um, yeah, or try, try managing their experience versus mine. Like, mm-hmm. And that was, I think that came up, too. It's like it's the you're wrong and I'm right situation and you have yeah. to, cha- you have to change something in order to make this relationship better as opposed to like, Oh, I'm getting information from my system. Yeah. Yeah. I was just really feeling into it. Like it's again, like if I'm, I can feel back into some 
my longer partnership. And I think these conversations are really scary. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the reason we don't have them, right? Yeah. Is like they feel really scary. And either one is because we think it's going to end or we think we're coming into conflict where you're wrong and I'm wrong or I'm wrong. Somebody has to be wrong in order to come to this. And I think mm-hmm. if we go back to these pillars of infinite relating, we can kind of come back to this understanding that, that nobody has to be wrong for this to, you know, for us to have a challenge in a relationship. It's, it's, one of us is not connected to it. Maybe one or both of us is not connected to our, our sovereign, our sovereignty, our truth, our desire. Yeah. And we're expecting the other person to fix it. Mm, right. Like, I feel like that is such an essential, like I, I'm not turned on anymore. I'm not connected. Like we don't have this. And like, because you're not doing this and it's like, well, where, where did I lose my connection with my, my experience, my desire? Mm hmm. And I feel like it's a lot of times when I'm feeling like a lot of withholding. Yeah. Right. Like just not having these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I really felt that felt lit up when you said, you know, the having these conversations is really scary. Um, And I think that I relate to the feeling having been in long-term partnerships myself, that the deeper we go, the the more years that have passed, you know, the more kids you have, the more enmeshed your finances become. Um, the longer you've lived together, for me at least, then, yeah, any kind of destabilizing conversation um, or destabilizing seeming conversation, I'll say, does feel, it does feel really scary. Right. Because it's like, I'm going to shake things up. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. We- I'm going to say the truth <laughs> and about how I'm feeling or about what I'm seeing or about something that's not working for me. And it is it is a risk. It has the potential to be um, to change things. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think why infinite relating is so important for all relationship styles is that any, any relationship style in which we've forgotten that change is the only way that humans ever, Mm. ever live. (laughs) That change is inevitable that, you know, relationships must change for them to stay alive, for them to stay you know, vibrant, healthy and growing, evolving and flourishing and breathing. I mean, like change has to happen. And so, you know, kind of circling back to the beginning, like the real problem isn't like monogamy. It's that in the monogamous mindset, we think we can avoid change. Right. You know, we think that by by saying, well, we'll just be monogamous. We'll just get married. You know, we'll just move in together we'll create these rules, um, or even shared values or guidelines, you know, whatever, like that, that will, that will prevent what I consider the inevitable, that change will sweep through a relationship over and over and over and over and over again. And that's all that's ever going to happen. Right. And so really I would, I think that, you know, the most, the most important thing to me, um, is to, you know, before a relationship even starts or, as soon as you hear this podcast and realize this <laughs> or feel it for yourself and you're like, oh shit, like I need to get to a place where I am willing to get with reality that, you know, all reality does is change things. Right. Evolution. Yeah. That's disintegration, like, rebirth, like, you know? Yeah. And like you were saying, like, at, like all living things change and a relationship is a living thing. Yeah. And and coming back into this, like we have all these, we we commit because something is beautiful and we want to hold on to it. We want to honor it and we want to have reverence for it. And 
ex- like if we can accept the fact that the way we do that isn't to contain it, isn't to constrain it. It's right. actually to create spaciousness and, and allow, allow change and understand that we can find, we can find safety in a dynamic relationship. Like that's, it, it just takes, it takes continuous nurturing, Yeah, which all of our lives take continuous nurturing. Exactly. Right. Right. And when the relationships become like, this is the irony to me. The great irony is that when relationships stop changing and evolving and become stagnant, we're not happy. Right. Nobody Nobody likes that. Very few people. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's some people I can't speak for (laughs) most people. Even I just speak for myself. (laughs) I become very unhappy and many of my friends do too. Most people I talk to. And yet at the same time, we have this, you know, almost desperate fear of change, you know, and this desperate desire to cling and control. Um, And so I do think like, on the one hand, kind of this vein we've been exploring so far in this episode, monogamy is this, you know, sexual choice that's just such a small, it's such a small piece of the relationship pie. It's just one section. Yeah. And then every other part of the relationship is the same. You know, it doesn't matter. Like, I, like we said, you can have all the external structure. You can have the house, the kids, the monogamy, the money. And, um, you know, if, if we don't apply these principles that actually make relationships healthy and vibrant, you know, we've all, most of us at least, or I've been down that road of, you know, you have all the, ex- you have everything on paper that looks good, yeah. but you have a dead relationship and you have right. a dead a dead heart you know where it's like I'm not satisfied I should be I have all the security you know on paper in the world but I'm not and so to me you know that infinite relating is the remedy for that whether you're monogamous or not right and so that that you know and and what we're saying like embracing change you know remembering selfhood tracking the us you know um that all that all applies to the monogamous container It it doesn't really matter um, and so I feel interested if you're down to pivot to like, well, what, what would be unique to monogamy in an infinite relationship? You know, like what's, what is an infinite relating way of exploring monogamy? Well, how do we do infinite monogamy specifically about that one sexual piece of the pie? And I know that's something that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. You know, you, you were talking about how, um, in your current partnership, you're not necessarily claiming the monogamy <laughs> label, but you're, you're kind of are, I mean, you're yeah. active monogamous and you're, you do have, you do have monogamous leaning tendencies. Yeah. Monogamous <laughs> leaning tendencies, And you actually do have some agreements around sexual exclusivity too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I would, I would say like what we were discussing earlier. So in, in our community, which is, which has a lot of openness, whether it's poly or polysensual, right. our relationship looks monogamous because we have sexual exclusivity. But if I, where I grew up in a um, very Christian, mononormative environment where like, like monogamy in that container was, I, I don't go out to dinner with someone with opposite sex. I don't, I don't entertain any sexual energy or any sensual energy, Mm. even like a prolonged hug might be a little sketchy. Totally. So from in that world, my relationship looks very poly because we, we do share sensuality. We do share emotional connection with others. So, um, yeah, these, the, so again, like the, the definition of it really doesn't matter. What matters is that we're in an infinite relationship and that my partner and I, we're, we realize we're kind of designing this and we don't know what it is. So there's, there's a lot of check-ins. There's check-ins with, with ourselves and with each other and, and acknowledging like I, 
I love to see my partner dance and connect sensually with other women. I, it feels, it feels really exciting to see him get to be all of his expansive self mm-hmm. and we have check-ins on it. Cause there might be a time and there have been times where I've been triggered by something that I was completely unexpected and, and we, and we got to the bottom of it and ended up, of course, being like 2% what happened and 98% my past wounding. But I think that's, <laughs> I mean, that's probably most things are in relationship. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing is, is we're, we're leaving, we're leaving room to make mistakes. We're mm. knowing that like, we don't necessarily have this. We don't have defined rules other than like sexual exclusivity. I mean, maybe we have a little, you know, we're kind of, we're working out the rest. We're like, we don't necessarily know. We, we know that we, we love and honor each other and the us. And so we're going to try, we're going to check back. We're going to check in. We're going to be honest with ourselves and honest with each other about what works and what doesn't work. And I feel like whether our relationship is monogamous or polyamorous, like that to me feels like an important part of our relationship life for forever, Mm -hmm. because what affects me now, what feels safe in our connection and how we relate to the world or how we um, relate to ourselves. Like, how that feels now is going to be different in a week. It's going to be different in a month. It's going to be different in a year. And I think that that could be key in whatever your dynamic is, is like, like honoring that, like I'm an evolving person. You're an evolving person. Just because you said this felt great last week, doesn't mean it's going to feel great next Mm. week. And just because that's what I needed last week, doesn't mean, I think that feels like it's been really essential in providing safety for me Yeah, and, and helping me get out of the head game of, is this monogamous or is this poly? Like it it doesn't even matter. What matters is the experience that I that I'm feeling I'm feeling safe to feel all of my feelings. I'm feeling safe to express them when I share them, when I'm triggered, when I'm jealous, when something comes up, I'm not made wrong for mm, it. Yeah. And I'm not making him wrong. Yeah. And that's not like you did this to me. It's like this is coming up and it's informing us of something. Yeah. Something that's coming up in my old pa- my past or something that's coming up with our connection. And I think that feels really yeah. like it, it embodies those 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 dynamics, like I said, accepting change, having sovereignty, um, yeah. them, you, me, us, like it, it's all those things are with that constant, um, like really feeling the aliveness of that us, yeah. of that evolving relationship. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, if I, if I were thinking about some, you know, monogamous couples out there listening and curious about you know, understanding the principles of infinite relating in terms of, yeah, like you're saying sovereignty and, you know, tracking us and all these things. And like, they're like, that makes sense. But what about the monogamy part specifically? And I think bringing it back to, you know, um, this concept that there's so many different, there's such a spectrum of monogamy from literally like, I actually don't know. I don't know if my imagination (laughs) is vivid enough. I have a quite vivid imagination. I'm trying to think of like, the most extreme, you know, version of monogamy, which is what, like, you don't leave the house. Right. So that you can never see another person <laughs> of the opposite gender or the gender you're attracted to, whichever that happens to be. And therefore, you know, monogamy means, like, don't, you can't ever even see someone like be like the most extreme. That is obviously sounds abusive to me, but someone right. might be into that. <laughs> to, like, the very edge of what monogamy is, which is like, yeah, like, no penetrative sex, but everything else is fine, or no... Right. You know, there's a whole spectrum, and, you know, we or know... emotional connection, that's right. another big one. So people Huge. are like, great, you can have sex with everybody, but don't fall in love. Right. That's Paul. That, to me, is a Paul. That, that's a whole other... Yeah, okay. that, to me, okay. seems like it's on the poly side. Okay. Yeah, de- yeah, definitely on the poly yeah. side. <laughs> <laughs> Though I do understand that one, and we should talk about that sometime, because I get that, that specific dynamic very deeply, because I have a lot more fear about emotional connection than sexual connection. But in terms of monogamy, I think that, um, 
like, yeah, like we've seen in, you know, with some public figures of late or of years ago, like, okay, you're not allowed to go out to lunch with someone that's the same gender as your partner, you know, or you're not allowed to have a phone call. You're not allowed to have a friend. You're not allowed to, you know, the boundary is no, you know, no, no dinners, but you can do lunch or, you know, there's all these things that we set up. And I think that, you know, the world that I live in is that everything, anything is fair game. If you can find two consenting people that want to do it together or more, <laughs> then it's fine. You know, if you're actually free, freely choosing, this right. is what turns you on. This is what feels resonant. This is what you want to explore. Um, but I think, I think maybe expanding what, expanding monogamy into this like vast landscape of possibilities to me, makes it much more exciting than like, oh, we're monogamous. It just means we don't have sex with other people. It's like, okay, that's that could be absolutely true. I mean, that is sort of the dictionary definition of monogamy. But within that, you know, like you're saying, like, what do you do with emotional connection? What about sensuality? What about, you know, at a party? What about dancing, you know, at a business event with, yeah. with someone else? What if you're attracted to that person? Like, what if they're also married? You know, like, there's so many ways that um, that we do interact on the daily with people attractive people right and what do we do with that energy and I think you know there's lots of things I'd love to talk about with that um in a second but I think to the, the foundation place for me that I would start is to really kind of like we were talking about last week in the jealousy episode to really talk about like why do we have why is this a value of mine you know why do we why make the agreement that we don't have sex with other people like mm-hmm. why you know and oftentimes I think we haven't thought about that and I'm not saying to question it for the sake of debunking it or for saying like it doesn't matter I'm not saying that at all I'm literally like why you know what what is the benefit to you and to your partnership um about about along this gradation like why why no penetrative sex or why no sexual no sexual energy exchange at all um why no sensual energy exchange or why do you want to be able to do sensual energy exchange and I think you know, instead of just making these rules, it's like when without investigating the the agreement or the rule or the guideline or the value, um, I think it can be really easy to just fall into both the cultural assumption of what's right, but also into agreements that aren't that aren't alive, you know, yeah, and that that end up actually um, that we aren't wholly bought into, right. that we don't see the reason behind. And that's when we slip into resentment or when people have affairs or when, you know, things happen because I don't really understand, you know, I haven't, I haven't taken the time to really think like, why does, why is sharing sensual energy, for example, so important for you? Like, why does that matter? That, that's a value that is like, well, I want to be sexually monogamous, but I want to be sensually open. Right. And actually this, like, I, this came like really live as you're sharing this because it's the investigation that used to feel so threatening in relationships. Because mm. if we're even investigating, if we're even questioning, then you might have a desire that feels really threatening. So I don't even want to have that conversation. Yeah. But what I've been learning in, in these more infinite relationships is having these discussions is is really vulnerable. So it feels really intimate. I get, I get, it's like a gift to hear you know people what, what their edges are and why yeah. and what's really important to them and how they connect with others. And it's kind of sexy. And I like get turned on like listening mm. to you. I was like, yes, these... like if I investigate like why, why do we not want to have sex with others or why do we want to have sensual connections with others? Yeah. Why? Uh, right? <laughs> that feels right. <laughs> like, that feels yummy. This can be a really, then it cha- it changes that energy of like, this isn't a threatening thing anymore. This isn't, Oh, this is what I'm going to do. But it's like, what makes you come alive and what mm. makes you feel and what? And so 
for that is that is essentially it as as like when my partner and I met we were very um openly sensual connecting people in our community like we would we would share sensual connection and then we would get to witness each other in other like delicious sensual connections with our tribe we have a very we're very lucky we have a very we're bay area <laughs> bay area hippie people i mean just in case cuz yeah. people that listen to us that don't know that's us. true so yeah we you know it's not uncommon to dry home for make out with our friends in a in a cuddle you know, puddle cuddle puddles, right. we do things. ecstatic dance a lot, yeah or contact improv a lot yeah. of dance where there's touch there's so there's a, an open buffet of sensual <laughs> exploration with people that might might it might mean you you share a sweet energetic connection that you want to look into further and it might just be in that moment and then there's there's nothing attached to it so this has been such an, an important part of my life and 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 like i'm realizing how touch is so important and i i used to say my sexual orientation was more bodies yes <laughs> <laughs> more bodies i want all of that and that feel but also like i would want more bodies and then and then i'd be satiated i would go home i didn't i don't need more bodies all the time right and well to be clear <laughs> that you mean more bodies like in a sense like in, in a sense in terms of yeah like we're at we're at a party there's dancing happening you're like ooh, you know yeah. five people touch me at once and right. like well yeah. not we're not being not, not, we're not like, talking about raw orgy yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other discussion. But, <laughs> <laughs> but so this this is an important part of how I express myself, how I experience the world, how I experience my community, how I connect with my community. It feels mm. I I feel like our tribe has gotten so close because there's so much safety and vulnerability and and understanding that we are we are sensual beings and we do need touch and that doesn't make us um, perverse or wrong or all the stories that I used to have that used to yeah. block me from receiving and giving this type of energy. And so my partner and I met each other as beings in this tribe. And so this is part of what makes me alive. It's what part of what makes him alive. And I love like the deep, like he just, he drops in with like such deep presence and it's such a witness to honor that with, with me and with other people and to be able to witness it. And so I want our full, fully expressed, authentic selves in in the world and in our relationship, mm-hmm. and that's part of who we are. So for me, I don't want. I would. I would hate to draw a line around that or a cage and say you can't have that anymore. Like that's 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 who you are. Um, so for me, and and so even having that discussion, like when I used to have the dream. It's been a while, but since when I would meet a new lover and have the dreams conversation, this was kind of part of. I would share like, this is who I am. This is how I express. This is how I love. And that was a really sexy conversation to have. And I think in, even in a monogamous container, if you go into this, these conversations, these ongoing conversations, wherever that edge is, wherever that excitement is, whatever, like you, if you come to it with your excitement and your desire, even if it's something you're never going to act on, you're like, oh my gosh, look at that hot guy over there. Right. They could be like, oh yeah, look at him. Like, what do you find hot? Like if we meet it with curiosity instead of protective mechanisms, cause it's a threat, mm. like that can enliven our relationship. Yes. You can have really hot monogamous relationships where you like lust over other people, or maybe you even like lust over the way they are passionate about a project. It doesn't have to be sexual even like just, but to feel that like vital life energy in your partner Mm -hmm. and to feel how they, how they get that, they get inspired from the world around them. Yeah. I feel like that rather than shutting it all down, this curiosity and this exploration of the why underneath, Mm. I think that 
But if, because if you're not exploring the why, you're just creating your own stories and then everything is more threatening. Mm. But if you get to be like, oh no, my partner doesn't actually want to cheat on me. They just like feel excited about something. And if I let them share that with me and I get to like love and witness them and their excitement, then they, they don't have to like contort it and move it into some other area that, you know, like that makes them small or repress it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's so. Yeah, I remember that. That concept is so important to me in any style of relationship. That's, you know, when I get juiced up by the world, when yes. I let my sexual energy run, and and that's sort of I see sexual energy as an absolutely unstoppable like human emotion. You know, mm-hmm. like there isn't, you know, we can and definitely repression is something we can do, but it doesn't prevent the impulse from coming through. Like we see an attractive person in a movie. Or at the mall right, or right. on the street or whatever, you know, and like that when I've the concept that my sec, me running my sexual energy inside of myself, me letting my self feel turned on by other people who aren't my partner, um, just in the line at the grocery store, like the checker is hot and I'm like, ooh, that feels good. Yeah. And then the idea that that would actually benefit my partner, mm. I think is so important. Like that I can bring that sexual energy and I can bring that aliveness and that freshness and that turn on back to my primary relationship um is something that I think is is just vital because yes. when we again, kind of like we were talking about a little bit ago, like ironically to me what I observe is that we want to Everybody wants like a fresh relationship, but then some of the things that keep the relationship fresh are really like scary. This energy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, well, I want it to be fresh and alive and and safe. You know, yeah. <laughs> and also, like, right, I want it, I don't want to do anything too risky though, and like that's too scary. Right. And so I think there is there is some like you know reckoning I think that needs to happen for for me at least in in my relationship. I do this all the time, regardless of monogamy or not. Is that real reckoning with like the thing that I know that works? to bring me, you know, into infinite relating is scary. Yeah. But I know that if I don't do it, I've, that's what I've done in every relationship I've, I've ever done before, and it's never worked, and it's never made me happy. And relating with other people isn't safe. Relating with the world isn't yeah. inherently safe. Like, there's no, even with the, the most strict agreements in any container, you don't actually control the other person. They can do they can do whatever they want to do. Totally. And so willing, oh, yeah. so being willing to accept a little bit of risk, a little bit of vulnerability, a little bit of embarrassment, a little bit of um, edge pushing in, in these small areas where you get to enliven each other, let each other be enlivened by the world. I think it's so, it's, it's worth a little bit of risk to like feel each other and to remember that aliveness that brought you together. Yeah. yeah Cause like in the beginning of relationships, you are doing those things right. and you are bringing that energy back. Yeah. And, and when we squash it, it squashes everybody. It takes yeah. it away. And I, this, there's like one last thing I want to speak to before we end. Because, um, I think this is a really common challenge in a lot of long-term relationships that I've, I've experienced and I hear is porn. Oh, yeah. Because this feels like, this is a very essential, but there's a lot of jealousy. I used to get really jealous with my ex when we would watch porn. I hear it a lot, and that's a common thing. And and it makes me, like, the curiosity and exploration. If instead of going, oh, my God, you're cheated on me, or, or, or whatever word you want to use for betrayal, or however, or threatening, it might be threatening, you think they're, you're into that, but you're not into me. Like, all the stories and fears that we can run behind it, if we can come to our partner with, whatever we're maybe a little scared of or threatened by with curiosity. Mm. If you feel like, you know, what are you into? Why are you into it? Like, I like there's such an invitation, but 
when they have to block themselves off, when they have to contort themselves and their desires, right? And, and you're seen as a threat. There's no, like it, it's, it makes it, it makes it impossible to even address. And I, I see this issue that it's one that no, like people just kind of ignore it. They stop talking mm. about it because they don't even know how to have a conversation because they're both so shut down yeah. um, in shame and fear and, and judgment. And so if we can look at like, this is another thing of like, here's this person that I fell in love with because I was curious about mm. them and yeah. they have this thing that I don't understand tell me about it yeah. and maybe they'll be able to find some turn on in there. Maybe, maybe it'll just even an understanding of like, Oh wow, you're into something that I am really not interested in. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad you have an outlet for it. Or, yeah. or even if you just, I can imagine if I'm doing something that feels threatening to my partner and they came to me with curiosity instead of me having, holding on to it with a death grip of like, no, I need to have this and I need to defend myself because I feel attacked or judged. And now you come to me with curiosity. There, it's I can like loosen my grip, and we get to explore it together. Mm. It just gives so much opportunity, I think, for repair in that. Yeah. Any 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 realm where we're we're a little bit scared to have that conversation. Yeah. I know. I love what a big. I, I feel like I feel like I hear you talk about curiosity a lot, and I always really appreciate that. Like you, you seem to really embody that ability to yeah approach a difficult conversation. Instead of with a finality of like, well, you did that, so it's over. Or like, you did that and I'm mad about it and something has to change, you know, to instead, yeah, approach with curiosity. And I think maybe that would be the last thing I'd want to say here is that what I love about infinite relating so much is that it's just a continue, it makes relationship a continuous evolution. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that, that sense of, well, you know, um, well, there may be, there may be a decision at some point to, you know, radically transition the relationship or end the romantic or shift up the romantic part of it or the sexual part of it or something that could certainly happen. But I feel like just that, that feeling alone, when I think of being in a lifelong partnership or a long-term, you know, very long-term partnership with someone and, and whether we're married or monogamous or, you know, whatever, um, I think holding on to that feeling of like, this is just, and this relationship is just going to keep evolving. That's all it's going to do. Right. You know, it's going to keep evolving and we're going to, I'm going to watch it and wonder. Yeah. I'm going to be curious about it. I'm going to feel appreciative of it. Um, I'm going to steward it as best I can to be, you know, what my hopes and dreams are. Um, but I, but I think that like shedding of skin and, and renewing, you know, continually and just my prayer, I guess, or goal for my life is like, can I, may I see like every relationship I'm in as that, like every relationship yeah. I'm in, all it's going to do is keep evolving. Um, that's all it's going to do. Right. <laughs> and it's not this finite, like, is it on? Is it off? Is it working? Is it not? Like, when's it going to end? Oh no, it ended. It failed. <laughs> like, you know, or, or, oh, it has to stay the same. It's changing. I better hold on. Cause ah, you know, if it changes, I'm going to lose it. It's like, like, can we all just relax a little bit? And, um, you know, even in the middle of our marriages, in the middle of our, you know, lifelong partnerships or in the middle of our one night stands, like whatever (laughs) end of the spectrum we're on to just really embody, like there is no beginning. There is no end. This is an infinite Mm. evolution of, of two beings who are choosing to connect. And that's, that applies no matter what. And what a beautiful opportunity to witness and be a part of that growth with each other. Yeah. And cheer each other on. Yeah. 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 That feel that feels like an honor. 
not that I get to capture you in time and hold you to this person that mm. I fall in love with, yeah. but I get to, I get to witness your evolution in life and be a part of your evolution and be a part of who you're becoming and yeah. you're doing the same for me. As I look deeply into Beth's eyes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that feels really That's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That feels like a great blessing for all relationships. Yeah, it does. Till next time. Thanks, Freya. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the show. Hang out with us more at infinite relating dot love and stay infinite.